the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is the Bible really sufficient for everything? Well, let's talk about that today and throughout this week here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. From Valley Bible Church, here in Hercules. Hi there, and welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today. We begin a series today simply entitled, Why Church? And if we're to understand the answer to that question, we first need to understand the sufficiency of Scripture. So, for the greater part of this week, we'll spend our time in Second Peter, as well as Psalm 19, taking a look at the sufficiency of Scripture. Won't you join us? 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. That's where we begin today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Here's Pastor Phil Howard. I want to give you uh, eight reasons today, or eight ways the Bible is said to be sufficient. That the Bible is sufficient for our faith and practice. Now that sounds so simple to you, because you're in a Bible church. But uh, if you study the Reformation... By the time we came to 1500s and we came to Martin Luther, a a teaching had evolved that still exists in Catholicism that says the scriptures and church tradition are our authority. Okay? Scripture, church tradition. Scripture and what the popes say or what a church council may decree And so that you had two authorities going, what the church said and what the Bible said. You had this also in Judaism when Christ was on the earth. He said, uh, you to the Pharisees, you've added your traditions to the word of God. And you've undone the word of God. And he gave a a heartbreaking example. He said, uh, Your mother and father come to you because they're in need. And you see them coming. And while they're on their way to you, you start saying, Corbin, Corbin. Which meant it's a gift to God. Dad, I would help you, but I've dedicated my money to help God out at the temple. See, God, so I don't have to help you. Do you think they gave it to the temple? No, they made a tradition To get out of obeying. Uh, Today, I think some of the dangers we have is when we talk about modern day prophets or uh, a modern day word. uh, Say, wait, wait, uh, what am I to govern my life on? What determines what I believe and what I am to practice? And uh, I was in circles that you would follow sometimes an evangelist. Because you hoped you would get a word from God. And so, where do you get a word from God? Well, uh, 
maybe the horoscope, uh, whatever. Uh, so we're looking at why God gave his word and what it's sufficient to do. And probably next week we'll look at Psalms 19 along with Second Timothy. will be more in the text. But today I've got a series, pardon me for you having to break in your Bible, turn everywhere. Uh, eight things the Bible is sufficient to do for you. Number one, it's sufficient to cleanse you. When you read John 17, 17, Christ is praying in the upper room. He prays his prayer. Father, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them. What does that mean? Set them apart for sacred use. And he goes on to say, as you sanctified me, Father, and Christ was sinless, but you set him apart for service. The word of God is a means that God uses to cleanse our heart. He said in Ephesians 5, Jesus Christ cleanses his church by the washing of the word. The word acts like a cleanser. Now, James 1 said it's like a mirror. That when you look, and he said, those who casually take the Bible, they do this stuff. They're down the road. But he said, the man that's changed by the Bible, he, he looks at it a long time. A long time. You know, this morning it took me 15 minutes to get ready. It took Carolyn an hour. Why does it take women longer? Because I, I'm okay. And you want to say, have you looked in the mirror lately? And sometimes, really, my wife, we, we've been married a long time. She'll say, that won't go. That won't do. I said, I've been dressing myself for years. Yeah, that's your problem. I said, that doesn't look good. You, you need to straighten that out. Do you notice your hair? I'm okay. God accepts me. I know, but God's gracious. You need to change this. You need to change that. And you just know it's a given. I said, man, you stay in there a long time. I'm paying attention to the mirror. Some of you need to stay in front of the mirror longer. But guess what? After you see the dirt, don't leave dirty. You ought to take a bar of soap and wash. And that's what he says my word is like. It's the mirror and it's all the cleansing agent. It will scrub out of you those attitudes, those sins that keep you from being used of God. You remember this verse, 2 Timothy 2.19. The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Let him that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. It doesn't stop there. Verse 20 goes on to say, he said, For to be a vessel fit for the master's use, you must cleanse yourself from the sins I just mentioned. The reason some of you aren't being used of God, you refuse to get clean. I grew up with a phrase, as I grew up, the Holy Spirit won't indwell an unclean vessel. That's not true. He indwells an unclean vessel. It's very unlikely he'll use you, though. Does the Holy Spirit indwell you while you're sinning? I'm listening. Let's have a vote. 
How many say no? Whew, good. How many say he's still there even when I'm sinning? Is God using me while I'm sinning? No. And what is sin? Anytime I prefer anything over what God wants me to do. Anytime I have a preference, preferential treatment of something I want to do that God doesn't want, I've sinned. So we need the Word of God to cleanse us, cleanse us, cleanse us. Uh, according to First Peter, that the newborn child of God grows on the Bible. Uh, and, and he's grown like, he says he's like a newborn babe who desires the sincere milk of the Word. This is First Peter 2. Lay aside the sin and take on this attitude of a newborn babe. You never have to teach a baby to have an appetite if they're healthy. If there's sickness, that appetite will go. We know even in adults, something's wrong when you're losing your appetite. When you don't want to eat anymore, you could be in decline. But he says we grow, and he calls it the sincere milk of the word. That's where we begin. And then we graduate, as you read Scripture, to feed on the meat of the word. What's the difference between milk and meat? I think it's basically this, that milk is food that's been digested for you. The cow, the mother, she eats the food, the baby gets the milk. But mama's body did the work, did the digesting, assimilated it in her body so that she can nurse that child. Okay, the cow chews the cud and goes through the process. Then we get the milk. And so primarily, a lot of times, the milk is food that someone else has digested and they pass it on to you. They're teaching you basic elementary truths and helping get you established. And so you need the milk. Where do I start? Where Meat, you've got to do your own digestion. You've got to assimilate it. You've got to masticate it, break it down, assimilate it, and it becomes a part of your life. And you need it. You need the protein. You need to do that. Now, I ask you, have you ever got where you can feed yourself on the Bible? Are you still dependent on someone digesting it for you, handing it to you, But you've never done the work of digesting it for yourself. So he says, as a newborn babe in Christ, one of the first things that tells me a person is born again, they've got an appetite for God's word. They they don't know anything, but they've got the appetite. Have you ever had to try to have a Bible study with someone that had no appetite? Have you ever tried to feed somebody without an appetite? Most of you are doing pretty good. I know my dad was, he was big on sugar, but he, he would always tell, do not eat dessert before dinner. My wife and I go out sometime, she loves a certain milkshake. And I say, don't eat that now, you won't have any appetite. She says, don't worry about it. I got it covered. <laughs> you know, but I was taught, I saved the milkshake after the main course. Because I was taught, and I found out sugar will ruin your appetite. 
many times. And many people come to church and they've eaten cotton candy all week. And they fed themselves on the nothingness of this world. And there's no appetite. They're just hoping it's a short sermon. What, what about an appetite? And he says that the Word of God, if you bring the appetite, he will cause you to grow by it. He said in Romans 10, 13, a, uh, it's 10, 17, really, misprint there, that faith cometh by Hearing and hearing the word of God. And the faith in that context was the faith to be saved. Because he said in verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All right? I've been struggling with an issue, and I pass it on to you so you can figure it out for me. As I've been reading the Gospels, Jesus often said, Your faith has healed you. Have you ever read that in the Gospels? Your faith has made you whole. That kind of bugs me. I'm not sure I know what that means quite. There's one or two ways I could take it. One is you have the subjective attitude that pleases God and he's going to respond to you. And I think that's huge. We walk by faith. Uh, It's an attitude of faith. And that's subjective. So I'm asking in the Gospels, are you saying that this leper or this sick person, um, they have the quality of faith, uh, there's something subjectively in them that warrants or brings out your healing? And that that may be it exactly. I'm not saying... I'm wrestling. Because at times I see verses that I get the feeling it's more he's saying, your object of faith, being me, give example, Peter is drowning on the Sea of Galilee. He walks out there, begins to look at the waves, he begins to drown, and what does he say? Lord, save me. Now, was it his faith or his Lord? Go ahead, pray about it. Doesn't matter. Was it his, he all of a sudden he had a big burst of faith? Or did he finally get his eyes off the wave to the Lord? Faith has two parts. The subjective attitude and the objective source you're trusting. Now, Hear me. Faith in faith will never save you. Faith in faith doesn't save. You can have a ton of faith. They they have faith in what? In what? There's a lot of folks believe their religion stronger than you believe yours. They practice it better than we practice ours. A lot of that. But what really, and so when I hear the gospel in Romans 10, faith comes, comes by hearing the word of God. What's he saying? He's pointing me in the gospel to the source that can save me. He's pointing me to the gospel. Here is a resting place for your faith. It's not just subjective, but 
My, what's the old song? My faith has found a resting place. I'm anchored in him. It's the object of my faith that I'm counting on, not the size of my faith. How big is a mustard seed? What was Jesus trying to say to him? If you have this, I mean, have you, the gals used to wear it as jewelry. Have you, how many of you ever seen a mustard seed? I mean, it's, that's his way of saying, if you nearly have nothing but believe the right source, you believe in God, God does great things for people who simply believe him, and it's not their great faith. Sometimes he said of Abraham, his faith waxed strong. So there is strong faith, there's weak faith. But I think here that when I hear the word of God, what it really does, it increases my object and it straightens. What are you trusting in this circumstances? Who are you trusting, Peter, when you're drowning? Uh, and maybe I grow in this subjective. We should all be growing in faith. I don't want to put that down. But it's a combination. Who am I trusting? And just simply, are you trusting him? Are you trusting him? God's been singing a song to me for about three or four weeks. My father taught it to me. It's a little course. But he's been singing it to me for a week. God, I can't go anywhere without it coming up. It's, have you ever heard of songs of the Spirit? Do you ever have God sing to you? Zechariah or Zephaniah 317 he said, I'll sing over you. And this song's been going over my mind. God is still on the throne and he will not forsake his own. His promise is true. He will not forsake you. God is still on the throne. God's been singing that to me for a month. Every time I'm going somewhere, God is still on the throne and he'll not forsake his own. His promise is true. He will not forsake you. God is still on the throne. That's the object of my faith. Because some days I say, I don't feel strong in faith. I feel like I'm in the mully grubs, whatever that is. I don't feel strong in faith. I don't feel that. I don't feel up, down, whatever. Who cares? Who's the object of your trust? That's what matters. And the Word of God keeps pointing you to the Father, keeps pointing you to God, pointing you away from yourself to your God. First Peter says, you were born again by the seed of the Word. That God helped to regenerate you by means of his word. Somehow, when God is bringing someone to new life in Christ, his word has a germinating effect in their heart to bring conviction, to bring hope, to, to know where to look. Where can I look to be saved? Where do I turn? His word. That's why we've got to watch in the church that we don't program it with a hundred things that God won't use to change a life. Churches gather programs like a dog does fleas. Programs, programs, programs. Say, do you have any Bible studies? Anybody cracking this book? Anybody looking at what God saves? 
saves through an implanted word. Are we planting it in your children? You would do yourself a favor. Take a one-week tech fast. Forbid any other tech in your house so you can just talk to those darling children that are going to leave your roof before you can sneeze twice. They'll be gone. I talked to a man. Gal's going to be going to a college away. And I said, man, I'm scared of these public uh, colleges, all that's going on. So, well, I've already taught. And that's, that's as it may be. And he meant that. But I just think, who's talking to our kids the most? The text or the parent? TV or God? And we know the answer. So, keep sharing the message that gives them the right object. Um, Look at Hebrews 4.12. What the Word of God does. Have you ever had any insane thoughts? God says insanity is in the heart of every man. Ecclesiastes. You have. I believe in Ecclesiastes. Some translate calls it madness. But the idea is out of your mind. Have you ever had any out-of-your-mind thoughts? Are you kidding? Uh, it just felt so good. I just, she looked so good. I just had to do it. How could it be wrong when it feels so good? You, you're thinking like a crazy man. When did you start living on feeling? You're a wreck. You're a wreck. Listen to what he says in Hebrews 4. 412. For the word of God is boring and dead. What? Living. Living. So have you ever heard anybody, Lord, anoint your word. Don't pray that way. It's already anointed. You're the problem. This book's already anointed. What needs to be anointed is you. You need your eyes illumined. And we're the problem. Well, he said, boy, I ain't getting anything out of the Bible. Well, no telling. Yeah, yeah, I I don't doubt that. What was your mind on? Well, I was paying bills while I was doing it. I I was reading it while I was watching the game. Yeah, it's kind of hard to get much. It's alive. It's living. Do you have an ear to hear it? Are you listening? Are your eyes being turned into ears? And he goes on. Listen to what he says. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Romans had several. They had the long sword that was usually, boom, one blow. And you had to be quick because that opponent could, could stab you. But then they had short swords sharpened on both sides of the blade. And these are lethal. Dangerous. Now, the other had the advantage of length. They could reach you. But if you missed, watch out. That two-edged sword, bam. You've had it. And he goes on. It's like a two-edged sword. And it pierces to the division of soul and spirit. Then he likens it to, as it were, a butcher. The dividing of joints and marrow. And it is a discerner or a critic. It's the word to critique the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
we would say, we say this about each other sometimes. I've got your number. Have you ever heard that? I've got your number. God's saying, I've got your number. I know you. And uh, when he talks about the heart, nobody knows you but God and you. We think we know you. Nobody knows you but God and you. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to His knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call. 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855-833-9864. 833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And that website, once again, truthfortodayradio.org. It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.